Well, thank you, Paul. And uh, good to see you today. That's the rest of you. And you, Larry, too. It, it does appear that winter has found us. We went through quite a spell of a beautiful fall. And uh, sounds like we're in for a little bit of cool weather coming. I was kind of feeling a little bit, oh, what should I say? Feeling sorry for ourselves it was going to get cold. And then I, Lisa had on, for whatever reason, <clears throat> Bismarck, North Dakota's next week. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> 26 below zero for a couple of those mornings. So <laughs> coming up. So, yeah, that's, that was my home country. We're about 50 miles northeast of Bismarck. At any rate, let's take our Bibles and let's uh, turn to Matthew. I'm kind of just getting back into the swing of things. And I think it has been a month since I've been <clears throat> here. So, And thank you for all your prayers um, and all of the ways that you've helped our family. It's deeply appreciated. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, and we'll read... Um, the first 12 verses. Matthew chapter 2, beginning now in verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. May God add a special blessing reading his word. Let's just pause for prayer before we begin today. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We particularly thank you for this season in which we can celebrate the coming of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah the one that was predicted way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, as being a redeemer. Father, we need a redeemer. We thank you for all that you do for us on a daily basis as well, as even in the last previous weeks we've been studying how Jesus was teaching the apostles to pray. Father, I think of how much you provide, things that we don't even recognize. Now, Father, we would ask that this time, these moments before us, would be honoring and glorifying to yourself, and it would grow us. Speak what needs to be spoken. Take us where you want us to be. Father, we lean upon you. We rest in your arms. Father, take the word and utilize it in our lives. May we never see you 
any clearer than these moments that we have with you alone. May I see things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it seems appropriate um, that with a small group here today that there was a a blizzard going on in uh, Wyoming some years back. And uh, the pastor was there. And as it turned out, there was one person that showed up. One guy made it. And uh, so they were visiting a little bit, and uh, the pastor says, well, he says, I just as well give you the sermon because I've prepared, and, and uh, you know, there's no reason not to. I'm let, you know, no, he said, that's fine, that's great. So there was the one guy, and the pastor gets to the front, and I mean, he let her rep. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. He got done, and, and then he said to this gentleman, he said, well, what did you think? He says, the best way I can put it, he said, sir, is... If uh, when we're out feeding hay and there's a, just a few cows come to the hay wagon, we don't give them the whole load. <laughs> so, so I'm going to bear that in mind for you all today. But I have to be really honest with you. Um, this, this deal that I've been through, I don't have a full load to give you. So how's that? <laughs> we're going to take where God takes us and we're going to go from there. This is an interesting passage of Scripture, though, back to the, the Word of God. Um, this is after Jesus was born. It tells us in, in uh, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 1, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. And there came wise men. The, the Greek word is magi. Magi. Does anyone remember where in the world, where, does, where do you recognize magi? Where did they come from? Who are these people? And it says they came from the east. That's a good answer. But who are these guys? What, what's going on with them? Well, yeah, with, with Daniel, remember those guys? Let's go back there for a moment, in fact. And uh, it's interesting to find that, that this is, in fact, to be honest with you. Uh, see, that, when was, when was, uh, when was uh, the capture of Israel? It was in, uh, what, 586 B.C.? So, and Daniel was short, he was deported very shortly after that. So if you think of this, and, and, and just for you here today, we've, we've talked about the witness that you have. You know, and we don't know, but literally, I'm, I'm convinced that these, and they're, by the way, we don't know that there was three. And they weren't named all those cool, Casper, and I can't remember the other. Probably not, right? Um, but there were three gifts. But where did these guys come from, these magi, these wise men? I believe they did come from the Medes and the Persians. They came from that Far East land. And I'm convinced that it's Daniel and some of those other fellow Jews that literally put this into their minds generations before that carried through for them to see this star in the East. That literally, I, I we'll get into it in a moment, but isn't it amazing? Now, that testimony of Daniel, that one man... And I'm convinced it was him particularly because let's go to Daniel for a moment and we'll find, we'll rub shoulders with these people called the Magi, if you will. Uh, we find them first in, uh, in Daniel chapter 2. It may not be first, but um, it's interesting that in verse 48 of chapter 2, and we're going to move rather quickly, um, you know, chapter 2 has to do with Nebuchadnezzar and the dream that he had. And it, it's, it's summarizing, it's giving promotions of Daniel. At the end, now keep in mind, who was able to describe for Nebuchadnezzar the dream that he had? He brought in all of the 
fact, we might even, if we go back, we might even be able to find that in a second here. I did not. Um, there's Chaldean. There we go. Yeah, actually, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. And we'll start in verse 1, just pick up our context. This is Daniel 2.2. 2. In the, 2 1, I'm sorry. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, where his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the Magi. <laughs> there they are. And the astrologers and sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Okay, well, we could read the rest of that chapter. I'll let you read that if you're, if you're interested. Quite honestly, those smart guys, they were the wise guys, if you will, and they could not tell Nebuchadnezzar what he needed to know. So in comes Daniel, and God reveals his secret to him. Now let's go back to the end of the chapter, in chapter 2, and let's take a look. We'll begin at verse 46. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, and the command that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. That was probably the first time that the magi, that the wise men of this place would have sought Daniel's abilities and his God. Uh, take a look at chapter 5 and verse 11 in Daniel, chapter 5 and verse 11. Now this is, Bel- this is at Belshazzar's feast. This is sometime later. And it says in verse 11, there is a man. This is from the queen. She was very familiar with what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, This was the queen mother, if you will. And she said, there is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father made master of the, the magi, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. That's where I believe that these that we find in Matthew chapter 2, they originated from this place. And all of those years going forward, and if you think about it, do you think they started to pay more attention to Daniel from that point on? They were wise men. Of course they did. Now, they, again, I, I'm not trying to make them anything they're not. Uh, they were pagans. There was, there was a pagan side. They were Gentiles. But nonetheless, I find it so interesting, and this is really what maybe today is about. It's amazing how close people can be living to the truth, to the power, and in this case, to the Savior. And there's three things. There's three things I want to drive home today. And that is the responses are the same that was for those people that way. Herod, we find, he hated the king. He hated the Savior. And there are people today in America I'm thinking about that have been given or have been subjected to the truth, and they hate it. The second one, which is maybe even more dangerous is indifference. Who cares? It doesn't matter to me. Just leave me alone. I'm in my own little world. Boy, that sounds like the American way today, isn't it? Absolutely. And the third one was what these men, these magi, these wise men that traveled a long way, a long distance to come to literally to them, a foreign land, looking for he that was born the king of the Jews so that they could worship him. Adoration. There are really, those are the only three responses to Jesus Christ, to our Savior. Hatred, indifference, or adoration. 
it, isn't it? 2,000 years have separated us, but there's really no difference in how men or women look at him today. Now, in Matthew, uh, if I was going to ask you four Gospels, four different perspectives on Jesus Christ, um, Matthew, which, what, is, what, was, what was Matthew trying to do? What was he really trying to make Jesus Christ? What was his whole focus? And each one of the Gospels actually had a very different approach. They were trying to see Jesus, show Jesus as some, some, from a different angle, if you will. What was Matthew's perspective? What did he want people to see? My Bible says, Matthew's purpose is to convey authoritative teaching by, by and about Jesus, whose coming marks the fulfillment of God's promises, the presence of God's kingdom. Okay, that, and that is, he, he, he showed a perspective in regards to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, let's back, excuse me. The king. As king, yeah. And it's interesting, there's two places that we have genealogies in the first four uh, Gospels. Matthew being the first. So isn't that, it's pretty, pretty important. If we're going to show him to be the king, we better make sure there's genealogies to match that up. And sure enough, he does. He shows he's going to be coming from David. He's showing that literally we could go back and find other, other prophecy from Jacob, obviously the father of Israel. It's amazing. And so, but, but after you show the genealogy, what's the first thing he does? It's really interesting. The first thing he does after his birth is he shows people that adore him as king. You see, you won't find the wise men in the other three Gospels. It's interesting that Matthew makes it part of it because what is he doing with Jesus Christ? He's making him king. So here's the wise, these wise men or magi. They're coming from a long distance to literally, they are seeking a king. And they were, if you follow that, if you were to follow that tribe, which probably comes from Parthia, from the Medes, the Persians, that they were king makers. They were always in somewhere. They, that tribe uh, of the Magi were literally surrounded all the time by kings. They, they were involved. And if you go back into history about this time, it, and I don't really know the answer to all of this, but it was like just right now. Do you see our world seeking someone that can really lead this world? Amen. They're, they're looking. Unfortunately, we're going to find the wrong one. That's exactly because the Bible says that. The Bible says that, that there's a wrong one coming, right? But it was almost, if you, and the more I was reading, the more I was digging, the time when Jesus Christ came, which in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, in the fullness of times, God sent his son. It was perfect. It was just at the right time. And when you look at the fact of that, the whole world literally at that time was looking for a king. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for someone to lead them out. In fact, there's some of the Roman historians that actually talked. They said that out of Judea, there would be a a man that would come and literally rule the world. Interesting. Back in that time. And if you take a look at where the wise men came from, they were in the middle of a civil war. They needed a king and they didn't have one. So they went looking for the real king. And probably not knowing the, you know, again, I, I don't want to make it like they were the, like they knew everything. But the point I really do want to see is there was a one reason that they came to Jerusalem. And was one reason only, and that was, don't miss this, was to worship this one that was born king of the Jews. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. They left nothing out, um, which I find to be remarkable. Isn't now, interesting that, that God calls them... If, if, if they came from Babylon and if they were indeed, which I believe to. Because they came from the east. That much we at least know. Yeah. Right. That if, if they did, they came from Daniel, 
and they saw what Daniel had told them, that they were magicians then. But then God, the scriptures call them wise men mm -hmm. when they show up on the scene to worship the king. Right. right. That's just awesome. It is. And, and to have that period of time. See, that was, that's a long time. 586 B.C. to right around the, you know, maybe 3 A.D. or whatever it was. You're talking a long time, right? And they kept, it's almost like they got closer. The more they kept this and passed this down, the more interested they were in Daniel's God. And then, of course, Daniel had all of these prophecies, and they must have just soaked them up, right? It's amazing how into it they were. They needed a king. In fact, you know, that reminds me. I, I wrote it down. I, I turned to Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. It, it really fits these guys. And for anyone today. Uh, Je Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you so search for me with all your heart. If you're, if you're searching for God with all your heart, guess what? You will find him. That's what these wise men were doing. That's what they were doing. As he was presenting Matthew as a king, uh, Christ as a king, he gave us the genealogy. Then he showed these coming from afar that would worship him as a king. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, look and note, notice in chapter uh, 2, uh, let's go back to Matthew for a moment. And uh, they show up in Jerusalem. Now, um, and I don't know where you're at with this, but I'm just seeing the words that I see. Um, I grew up for, I mean, I, this is a lot of years. I thought they followed the start of Jerusalem. It does not say that. It says they saw his star in the east. They didn't follow anything. In fact, let's look at what they say later. Now, this is, this is later in the passage, but take a look. Uh, we'll start in verse 9, same chapter, chapter 2 of Matthew. And they had heard the king, and that this was this private meeting that he was uh, shucking and jiving them. And they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, that's the, what they said in verse 2, went before them till he came and stood over the young child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They hadn't seen the star since they saw the star. I wonder when that star, what is that star? Let's take a look. Let's go back to, let's see, i got to think about where we got to go. Um, Luke chapter 2, probably. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. I'm hoping that that's right. If you notice that I wasn't filling my hay in my wagon to get full? <laughs> so I can't, I, can't, I can't dump the whole thing. I'm still building it. How's that? But let's go back to um, Luke chapter 2, where the shepherds, yeah, here we go. We're going to find it. Luke chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, what, what do you think when you see that verse? Now, it doesn't mean as much to you today, probably, as it would have been if somebody would, would have said this to you in the day, the hour, the season in which Jesus Christ was born. You'd say, what? What would you say about verse 8? What, what, what do you do with shepherds in this story? They were the low life. They were the ones that nobody cared about. They were the ones that did the nasty jobs with the sheep that nobody cared about. And yet, look at this. Look what happens here. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, verse 9, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. 
I'm of the opinion that's when the wise men, the Magi, saw the glory of the Shekinah glory was not some planet. Because it would have been something very out of the ordinary. Now think of this now. Think of who the Magi are. They're astronomy. Uh, they, they, they study astronomy and also astrology. Astronomy is the science. Astrology is the occultism, which is... It's flagrantly grabbed our world today. But nonetheless, they were very seasoned in both. And there wasn't quite as much difference between the two as there is today. They knew the sky. They knew the stars. Because that's what they did. And all of a sudden, they said that they saw the star. Back to Matthew chapter 2. They saw his. Whose star? His star. This is the glory of God. This is the Shekinah glory. And, and what it would have been doing, right there when they spoke to those shepherds, when that angel came, it says that the whole sky shone with the glory of God. I believe that was the moment in which those wise men saw that, quote, star, or in this case, it could be actually shining forth. That's what that word means in the Greek. To shine forth. It doesn't have to mean a star as such, as much as... In, in the Old Testament, you, can, you read about the Shekinah glory, the glory of God. In, in fact, there's, there's, there's a glory coming. When Jesus Christ comes back, the sign of the Son of Man will be in the sky. I believe it will be the same Shekinah glory. That's when those wise men would have saw that. And all of a sudden, can you imagine that next meeting? Did you see it? In fact, I, I'm convinced they would have run to one another because that's exactly what they had been waiting and looking and hoping for. And I think it didn't take them long to get their, their itinerary together and load those. And I, I hate to say camels because it's not there. Even though every nativity set has wise men with camels on it, right? We do not know that. I'm convinced it was not a Greyhound bus. I'm convinced it was not a, Pam, a, a Pan Am airliner. But something in between there, is, we, we don't know. But literally, the other thing is, how long was it from when these wise men saw the stern east until they got to Jerusalem. Well, we know that the parameters would have been, because now we'll be talking about Herod in a little bit, but Herod was a jealous, I, I don't even have words for this guy, evil on steroids. It was horrifying. And he was, he was so, see, the word's failing me right now. Um, he couldn't help himself for, he, he trusted no one. In fact, he killed his brother-in-law, and no one really knows why. He killed his wife and two of his sons. You want to know how deep? I'm actually going. I wasn't going to talk about Herod yet, but here I am talking about him. Are you ready for that? Now, this is the epitome of who this man is. Uh, five days before his death, apparently he knew that his death was approaching, which I believe from this right here where we're at in Matthew chapter 2, probably was less than a year. And he knew the time frame in which he was going to die. In fact, five days before he died, he said this to those that were surrounding him. He said, I want you to go into the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to gather some of those respected, some of the best um, stalwart citizens. And I want you to bring them and put them in the prison. And the day I die, which no one will mourn my death, I want you to kill them all because there will be mourning in this city. It may not be for me, but it will be for someone else. That is the epitome of who this man is. Isn't that crazy? Hard to grasp that, isn't it? This is Herod. This is the man that is now king of the Jews. But how did he do it? He saddled up to the Romans. 
He's not a full-blood Jew. He has no right to the. Did you see it was interesting how, did you see how the wise men came to, and they said, who is born the king of the Jews? Not who is the king of the Jews, who is born the king of the Jews? That must have been like, oh, that was like sandpaper on a chalkboard for Mr. Herod, right? Can you imagine that? Well, that got him pretty agitated. Got him pretty agitated. Those guys arriving. And I don't know how much pomp and circumstance are really would. How many was there? Uh, you know, I, I, I just, because everybody says there's three, that, that number isn't probably right. Was it 10? Was it 12? I don't know. But they came enough of them, and they were just asking various citizens. I mean, it's not like they went to the chief priest. Did you notice that? They didn't go where the religion's at. They said, well, obviously we are in Jerusalem, which is the capital city of this place of which Daniel spoke of. Everyone must know where the king is, right? You're Jewish. Exactly. You know where exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Where's your king? Where's your savior? And they're just asking, you know, various people. Do you, do you know where the, where is this one born king of the Jews? Where are you from? <laughs> why, don't you go, why don't you try downtown Chicago or New York City or San Francisco or, for that matter, Tw- Twin Bridges or Sheridan? Ask them where the king of the Jews is. Where the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that can save us from our sins. Do you know where he's at? They give you the same blank stare. And to think of what this country was founded upon by whom our founding fathers, they wouldn't have ever survived to make a nation if they had not put God number one. And here we are, 200 and what? What is it? 240 years later, plus or minus? We don't even know, we don't even know who God is anymore as a nation. There's a lot of people that do. Don't, 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 you know what I mean? I don't want, I'm not trying to make this a, oh man, how bad can we end this year? No, no, I'm not talking about that. But isn't it amazing, as Christian as this nation was founded upon, we are exactly the same as the Jews didn't even know where Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. Or care. I'm convinced that most of those groups... Now, what are, the three reasons, what are the three categories of people? Number one was looking at Jesus. Hatred. Hating, hating, ha- hating Jesus, the Messiah, the King. Number two, indifferent. indifferent. And number three was adore. The biggest group I'm convinced is indifferent. Who cares? I got my world to live. I got my money to chase. I've got my... Whatever. I've got family. I've got recreation. I've got whatever it is. Isn't that exactly what's happened to us? It truly is. So they're going around town, probably split up. You know, I can just see these. These are not dumb people, right? They're not named wise guys for being foolish. And they probably said, well, i tell you what. Let's just split up and let's start talking to people. Somebody's got to know. They got to know. This is Jerusalem. This is the place Daniel spoke of way back when. Do you know where the king of the Jews is born? Oh, you don't know. Do you know? And I think this went on for a while because I don't think it was like Herod caught on right away. But all of a sudden, there's people that are coming to him. Hey, did you know these guys? Floating around town and they're asking who was born the king of the Jews? Now you've got Herod's attention, right? So he brings them in and watch what he says. I find this interesting how much they know when we want to know. But there is a verse I want to take you to before. Let's go to John chapter 1 verse verse 11. John chapter 1, verse 11. If this isn't exactly the place that this verse fits in, it's the epitome of this, of this setting. John chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 10. 
John 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's exactly what took place. Let's go back now to Matthew chapter 2, and let's continue. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king, <laughs> it's interesting they call him Herod the king, not the king of the Jews, they just call him because he's, he's basically in a position that's not his, had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with them. Now, let me be clear. Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem is not troubled because of the birth of the king of the Jews and not knowing where he's at. No, they're troubled because Herod's troubled. Because if Herod's angry, they pay the price. Every single time Herod is bummed out, whatever, he goes crazy, goes ballistic. But he's the one that's agitated. And when he had gathered, what, no, I want you to see this now. What do you, I've, I've just told you a little bit about Herod, but what do you think he is? What kind of a spiritual person is he? Now, from everything that I've told you, everything you've read, you'd say he's totally, has no interest, knows nothing about it. He's all about himself. He's all about himself. Now that I think about it, it's only about himself. Watch this. Verse 4. When he had gathered all the chief priests... And the scribes of the people, those would be that who had studied the law, the scribes. I mean, that's what they did. That was their career. Chief priests, and it's interesting, as when Moses and Aaron took instructions from God in leading the people, having the tabernacle, having this place that they would meet God, how many chief priests were there? There was one. <laughs> that was Aaron. What was his job? To go before the people. He would go in there. He would on the Yom. What, what day is, when is Yom Kippur? I was going to look it up in the calendar. I don't. Is it? Does anybody know? Well, that's the same. That's the day of atonement. It's still on a calendar. That would be the day that the chief priest, the high priest, would go into the temple, go into the Holy of Holies, as long as he prepared himself adequately, would go in to meet God and to literally atone for the people's sins. One day a year. That's what the high priest, singular, was. Now, you've noticed, almost in all through all of the Gospels, you find high priest plural. There seemed to be an addition. There seemed to be more of them. Because what, what, what would you say the high priest? A lot of power, correct? A lot of clout. And then the Romans, they didn't like one of them for whatever reason. They would just kind of like shoo him off and get a new one. But the other, in there, you can name two of them in the, in the, in the uh, Gospels. Annas and Caiaphas. They were both high priests. Both kind of of the same family, but it was amazing how many high priests you could get. It's amazing. But let's keep going. He gets them together. and he de- Now what? He, he, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Did you, think, did you stop to think about what he's just said? Here come the wise men. They've come into town and they say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Herod doesn't put it that way. He says... Can you guys tell me where the Christ will be born? That's the Messiah. That's the anointed one. That's who, literally who this king could be. He knew a lot more than you think he did. Now, he's not interested in worshiping him. He's interested in killing him. But did you see how much he knew? 
Isn't it amazing? A lot of people that you run into, it's amazing how much they really know. But they've taken a position. What are those three positions? You're not going to forget this when we leave today. One of hatred, indifference, or adoration. So what do they say? Now, now these, are the, these, these guys, these are the Sharpies. These are the ones that know the Bible inside out. These are the ones that are taking care of the temple. These are the ones that are supposed to be concerned with the people's uh, spiritual health. How are they going to answer this? You're going to meet Mr. and Mrs. Indifference. Watch this. He says, where are they at? Where, or where, is, where is he going to be born? And verse 5, they said unto him, it's just like matter-of-factly. Well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. For thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, and that shall rule my people Israel. Uh, duh, that's what it says. <laughs> who, who said that, by the way? Where did that come from? What prophet said that? Micah. Micah. That's okay. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. How many years ago was that prophecy? It's about 700 years before. You see, these guys weren't dumb. They just didn't care. <laughs> How many people, really, I, I, want, I mean, this is more of a question. How many people that walking down the halls of Congress, serving in the Senate or the House of Representatives at a national level, how many people actually know a whole, lot about more, a whole lot more about God than they actually want to profess? I think it's, I think it's a good share. You see, when they were trained at, the, at, at, their, at their parents' knees, it was a different world then, wasn't it? You go 40, 50 years back, it was different. It was really different. We actually, what did we do? We adored God. We went to church to worship God. It's a different place, isn't it? Those people, these scribes and high priests. I think, I think Herod got a clue as to who they really thought this king was. Because if you'll notice, the scriptures say, we've, we've come to worship him. And Herod would have said, well, what do you mean, worship him? <laughs> and I think he would have understood what that meant. Because you didn't come to worship a king. But they were there to worship him. Yeah. So from that instance he would have known that there's something more to this than just another king that they think is going to be born which he would have wanted to kill anyway but right because it was anything that would have been any, his competition anything to him was opposition anyone anything was in opposition to him I wonder how they got how they got access to the king herod i mean, I mean how they again got... i think it took a little time yeah. you know I don't, I don't think i don't this is just this is this is how i'm just reading this um, but I don't think they just went in Jerusalem. Where, where's King Herod? No, that wasn't their plan. They thought everyone in Jerusalem, and I do believe they thought that because the star appeared, his star, this is in the homeland. This is what, this is what Daniel talked about. This is the Jerusalem in which the Messiah would rule. How couldn't everyone not know that, that lives here? And I think it was just a matter of them visiting amongst people, and, but that would be a different theme, wouldn't it? And as soon as he hears another king word, and it's not about him, whoom, he's on it. He's on it. In fact, I'm sure he has spies throughout the entire land. That would be that kind of guy, right? And pretty soon, why don't you come with me? Let's go have a little talk. And it was, by the way, it was very open. It was very public because you can see he's included the chief priests. He's included the scribes. This isn't like a private setting, which comes later. This is just trying to get all of the pieces sort of together. 
Wow. They came to worship. That worship, to stoop, to kiss, to pay homage, adoration, all of those things which they were intent upon. And I would have to say this too. When he found out where they came from, I want you to think for a moment. The chief priests and the scribes, no, it's, they knew. It wasn't like they went and looked at the books. They had to dig it up and look. They didn't. It wasn't like they didn't know. It wasn't like they were guessing. They, it was just matter-of-factly. Well, yeah, everyone knows that it's in Bethlehem because Micah the prophet spoke of it. Everyone knows that. So now what would you do if you were a chief priest and a scribe and you actually believed the scriptures? I mean, here we got guys that have come probably 900 miles. I, I believe they were probably there while Jesus is between five and six months old. Why did he go every, you know, when he killed everyone and the baby boys in Bethlehem? That's just who Herod is. I'm surprised he didn't go to three years of age. Because you want to go over and beyond. You don't want to miss one. <laughs> right? I think after they saw that star, which the shepherds saw on that night when Jesus was born, that didn't take very long for those guys to get astride of whatever they traveled on to come to this place. And it took probably about that period of time. And when they come, and Herod had to be pretty taken back by that. Wait a minute. I know how far you guys came to worship this, this king. Who is he? Where is he at? You know what the screen, this to me is the most indifferent thing I could possibly imagine. They have been studying the old script, speaking of the scribes and the high priests. They've been taking care of the spiritual needs for these people for all of these hundreds and hundreds of years. And they won't even go, you know what the distance is from, no, we're in Jerusalem. That's our, that's our context. And they've just told us, well, everyone knows it's in Bethlehem. Do you know how far it is from Bethlehem to Jerusalem? It's five miles. Did you see how many of those went to go look? Not one. (laughs) Now that's indifference. Wouldn't you just go out of curiosity's sake? Is there really somebody? And it's not like it's a big, Bethlehem is not a big place. I mean, we could scope this thing. In fact, why don't we go? In fact, tomorrow, guys, rather than meeting at the, uh, I don't know, wherever they have this little deal where they all get together and study the law, let's just take a day and go down there and see if we can find him. They don't even, they're not even interested. And you run into people like that that have no interest in Jesus Christ at all, or God, nothing at all, zero, no matter what, right? You work with them, you know them. Isn't that a travesty? And yet somebody... I was going to say drove. They didn't drive. They, for six months, had traveled to get to this place to find out where the the one that was born, the king of the Jews. Wow. Well, let's keep going. Now, after we know where he's going to be born, this is what he's been waiting for. Herod, that is. Then Herod, verse 7, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now you're seeing an acting job. We've had an arrival. We've had a, uh, let's see, what do we call that next part? Um, An agitation. He was very agitated. And now we come to an acting job. He's trying to literally tell these guys, oh, you know, I'm really, I really want to know where Jesus is, or this Messiah. I'm really interested. Now, he doesn't say he's going to worship him. So you see, he 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 didn't say all the words. But so deceptive. Watch the deception that he plays into this whole act. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship it. Now, wait a minute. Again, this, this, is, this seems almost bothersome to me. He called all of the chief priests and all of the scribes. He gets them together. And he said, tell me where the Christ will be born. And they tell him. Why didn't he send them? They are at his beck and call because... That's how they got big in the Roman government is they paid attention to who was big and who wasn't. Why didn't he use them? Because he knew they wouldn't go. Why would he send the wise men? If they've come 900 miles. Five looks like a pretty small distance, doesn't it? He knows that he can count on someone that has come to worship the king to go find the king. Isn't that exactly the truth? Wow. He's actually, he has a good liar. Watch this. He said, uh, he sent him to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for your young child. When you have found him, bring him me word again that I may come and worship him also. You know what? Do you know how interesting he is in the Messiah? Why wouldn't he go five miles? <laughs> he doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him. And then look at this. This must have been, you talk about turn the lights on. No pun intended. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed, missed a verse. Missed a verse. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, wouldn't that have been something? We are in the right place. As soon as they get done talking with the king, boom! That star that they recognize, which is, I believe, the Shekinah glory of God, literally appears before them and takes and lands right over the stable where he was born? No. Because they wouldn't have lived in there very long, I hope. It was actually the house. Almost sounds like what God did in the wilderness with the nation of Israel. His glory went before them. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's the same glory. It was, a pillar of, it was a pillar of fire at night. Exactly. Now, let's look at verse 11. And when they were come into the... I want you to see that. I have it underlined in my Bible. They came into the, the house. So we know there was some period of time. The other thing is, it's interesting, is it wasn't right away. Because, remember, it would have taken about 40 days to go through the purification um, ceremony that... You know, as, as, a, as a mother that would have a, a, a child, there was, there was, there was circumstances and, and conditions that would have had to be gone through. It took about 40 days. Uh, do you remember what the sacrifice that Joseph and Mary gave in regards to Jesus, this new, their firstborn son? Was it two sheep? Was it two oxen? Was it two, it was two turtle doves? And that's as low as you could get. Their income, their level of wealth was so low, they used the smallest amount. Now, you would have to think, knowing how giving they were, that at the end of this passage, they were given three pretty tremendous gifts. And they probably would have, you know, and again, this is like taking, taking an offering and giving an offering. That's who these people would be, correct? See, it had to be in some time after that. Because they gave two turtle doves. They came into the house. And they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. I, don't know what she, I wonder what she's thinking right now. <laughs> you 
You know, uh, you talked about in a passage you read today that she pondered these things. There was a lot of ponderings, wasn't there? There's was lots of things to ponder. But at this point, I think she's probably, she's probably not surprised at much. And fell down and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Here you see that adoration. Here's what they came for. It was real. They fell down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and they presented unto him gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't have a lot of time to go into all of those because there's, there's tremendous background to all of those gifts. But gold is easy. It's very valuable, correct? I mean, it, it is a, you know, that's, that's the most precious. That's the thing that literally would be a gift for a king. And you look at Solomon. I, again, I should have done a little more research. But remember when he was king? And they made gold out of every, they made everything into gold, didn't they? It was, it was amazing the amount of gold that was in that land at that time. But it is the most precious thing that mankind knows of. It's precious. Frankincense. What do you know about frankincense? What do you know about frankincense? Well, one thing is it is an incense. It smells good. And, yeah, and it was offered to God. Frankincense was burned in a way that the, that incense would go to God, which would be very indicative of right here is really it's seeing him as God. Myrrh, that's an ointment. That's something that actually makes the human side of things better and smell better, quite honest. They would use it in burials. They would use it in a lot of different ways. It was kind of like the mortal side of these three gifts. It was, it, you see that? You see a king and you see God and you see man. All of those things are encompassed in the Messiah. That's why he came. What an amazing story that, that, that this baby in a, at this point in a house, that someone afar... What do they know? The only thing they know is they saw something that was very out of the ordinary, a star, a breaking forth, a long ways away, and they saddled those camels, and I'm going to just go ahead and say they were on camels. I have no idea. Sounds good, because everybody's used to it anyway. And they took off, and they went to that land that Daniel, in previous... And again, this wouldn't be someone they would have rubbed shoulders with. This was somebody that they're... You, you do, I don't know, four generations, five generations, six generations that had rubbed sh- shoulders with Daniel. Think of that, how much they thought of that man. To pass that down, and they, it was so vivid to them when they saw that, they said, there it is. And you know, when we're following after God, and we're doing what he wants us to do, our testimony is just like that, because it's not about us, it's about him. It's amazing when you read through some testimonies or some, some life stories of, of people that have come to Jesus Christ. It sometimes is just one sentence that someone said way back when, when they were even a little child, that came back later to bear fruit. And when it's God's word, it doesn't take much, does it? I think of these wise men and all of those other people that lived in that, in that area, the two that didn't take it for granted, that truly were wise and were not fools, were these magi, which were Gentiles, which would have been looked down upon from a Judaism standpoint. And the other one is who? The lowest rung on the Jewish ladder would be the shepherds. The wise men and the shepherds were the wise men of that day. And wise men still seek him. 
wise men still seek him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for using even this passage of Scripture to show those that were unaffiliated, unrelated, certainly would seem uninformed how you brought them, their interests, their seeking after what Daniel had spoken of. You brought them directly to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That one that they were saying, who is born the King of the Jews? And yet, Father, there's a message there as well. We can become so conditioned, so close, that we can miss the truth. Father, I pray for a nation today, the United States of America. You saw fit to take those founding fathers and their prayers to you, their prayers which have been much like David as he was running from Saul and other enemies, they were distraught, they felt defeated, but they reached out to you. Those same people you awarded with a victory over the strongest empire in the world at that time. And when they asked you for wisdom, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and many of them, those documents of which they started literally a nation. There was some sense of inspiration that you gave to those men that cried out to you. Father, this nation has strayed. It has become indifferent. It has become hateful towards you, Father. I would ask for a renewing. For the word of God to catch fire, if you will. That there would be a searching a searching for what they need. They may seek after many, many things. In fact, that literally is when that Satan has been very accomplished at. He throws anything in their way that looks like something that can save them. But Father, may Jesus Christ shine. May that Shekinah glory of yourself, Father, shine in this, in this nation. We thank you, Father, for many nations around this world that are engaged in revival because those people are seeking after you. Just as those Gentile magi came to a far-off country, they were rewarded by seeking that one that was born King of the Jews. May we proclaim the message every day by actions, by our words, pointing to the glory of God. Father, we would ask that as we're closing out this year, that we would take opportunity to thank you for all that you've provided, and even thanking you for what we don't know that you've provided. Oftentimes, Father, we miss those things because we don't even see your hand working behind the scenes, but we know you are working for us, for we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Father, I ask that you take each one of these here today, that you would bless them and their families. Provide them with the wisdom and strength they need to take one day at a time, reaching for you. Now we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Larry, can I ask you something? Yep.